Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Over the weekend, my family, man, for as long as I can remember, we have uh, just a regular practice of having a movie night, like a family night all together. Usually involves pizza, bringing some pizza in from outside, you know, and picking out a family movie together and just kind of curling up on the couch and watching a movie. And we watched a couple weeks ago, Enola Holmes, which if you haven't seen it, it's, oh, it's delightful. It's just such a fun film. They, what is it called when they speak to the audience? They like break the third wall. Is that what it's called? Anyway, it's really cool. Every now and then in the middle of the film, she turns to you and talks directly to you and then steps back into the movie and back into the story. So you very much feel like you're a part of it. But Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes's little sister. So it's basically a story of a young woman Somebody goes missing in her life. I you know, won't give that away for you. Watch the movie. But somebody goes missing and she goes off to find them. And using all, you know, Sherlock Holmes type of detective smarts and awareness, yeah. she goes after this missing person. But what's really happening is she's on a journey to find herself, to discover who she is and what she's made of and what her life is meant to stand for and all these things. And It's really cool. And as I'm watching the movie, I mean, she's a young girl just getting started in life, but I couldn't help but relate to her. I thought, man, I get it. Like there's things that you have to do every day. We get up and we go about our tasks and we know what we need to do, but we're also, I'm also on a journey of kind of discovering who I am as I walk through each day. So I saw myself in this story. It was so much fun. So there's the story, there's what's happening, but there's what's really happening. The deeper story And then there was something personal in it for me. And I have been studying the story of Jesus coming from the Luke account, Luke 2. And the same thing's going on for me. As I study the story, I see that there's the facts of, you know, the characters involved and the time and the place where it happened, like just the facts. And then there's something deeper going on in the story. And there's something for each one of us to grab onto personally in the story. I'm seeing myself in the story as I'm studying. And some of, you know, the facts are like the characters in the story. You've got the shepherds who are lowly individuals. I mean, there was a time when the shepherds were the heroes and it was like Abraham and King David and and the shepherds were the heroes of the story. But the wealthy people at this time, when Jesus was born, had kind of moved into town. And the people who were on the outskirts left to take care of the sheep were the not the wealthy. They were the poor. And they were actually had a reputation for being dishonest, so they weren't allowed to testify in court. So they were pretty much dismissed as being irrelevant. So you got the the shepherds there. And then we've also got angels in the story. This is a supernatural being that shows up to declare a message from God, from the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God comes down to earth. I mean, this is big stuff going on here. This isn't like a, a greeting card angel or a precious moments angel. This is a supernatural being. And so this, this God message coming from this heavenly creature down to the lowly, shows us, I mean, it's actually a display in front of us of the message that the, that the angel is actually declaring, which is that this is good news for everyone. It's good news for me. I get to be a part of this story. It's good news for you. So Jesus came to be human like us, and he came 
for us. The good news is that a Savior came to take away the sins of the world and make us right with God. So I just want to challenge you this morning too. As you step into Christmas and first of all, read, read the story of Jesus coming to earth. Just sit, give yourself some space and some quiet to take in the story and just experience it as if you're experiencing it for the first time. And look for those things. Look for the story, the details of what's happening, but just spend some more time reflecting on what it all means and ask the Lord, what's really going on here? And then ask him, what's in here for me? What do you want me to know this Christmas? In the Christmas story, after Christ was born, Jesus came as a baby and was born in a manger, in a stable. We read that the angels appeared to the shepherds and they declared, well, first one angel declared this message. It's verse 11 from Luke 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. And if you're wondering what the significance was of them saying that the Messiah had come, well, here's a little bit of backstory for you. Back in Isaiah 9, we see that the prophet Isaiah had received a word from the Lord, and he shared it. And this is what he said. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So they had this message and they'd been holding on to this message and they'd been waiting and they'd been hoping and they'd been looking for the Messiah for 700 years. And the world that they lived in just kept getting darker. You know, it just evil kept pervading more and more. They're seeing, you know, domination and violence and evil. And they felt like there was nothing they could do about it. They felt helpless. And so they were longing for the Messiah and everything that this rule and reign that Isaiah described, everything that Jesus stood for, that the Messiah stood for was righteousness and justice and everlasting peace. And they were ready for it. They were here for it. And this prophecy from Isaiah 9 is one of the reasons they didn't recognize him when he came because this is such a grandiose prophecy of the Messiah. And Jesus fulfills all these things, but he came so humbly. Mm -hmm. You know, Isaiah says, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So you can imagine the expectations that we're building that he's going to be this powerful king like David who's going to come and he's going to conquer and he's going to make all the sad things untrue. He's going to conquer our enemies and he's going to lift up Israel among all the nations. And that's not the way the story went down. Right. But the angel's message, you know, in its entirety, I mean, if I just hit the high points, it was like, I have good news. This good news is for everyone. A baby has been born. That baby is the Messiah that you have been waiting for. The savior of the world. He is the Lord. I mean, those are the things that the angel declared. And the good news, you know, the gospel, we call it today, the good news is that God created us with every intention of ruling and reigning and us living under the rule and reign of such a good God. 
a place where righteousness, righteousness existed, right? A place where we're protected, where we're counseled and, and where we belong. And, you know, by a good father watching out for us and showing us how to live and, and telling us what is best. And, and all of these things have been written down in scripture, but every single one of us has basically rejected the rule and the reign of God and said, you know what? I want to be my own God. I want to do life the way that I want to do life. The stuff that you say I shouldn't be a part of, that's the stuff I want to be in. That's the stuff I want to do. So I'm going to go ahead and do my thing over here. And as we have rejected God and rejected his rule and reign and walked against him and and just, yeah, walked away, he's a just God. You know, justice is one of the things that he brings. And so the justice of God demands that there's punishment for walking away from his rule and reign. And that punishment is death for every single one of us. We all deserve it. But God is also so good that he sent his son to take that punishment because the punishment had to be taken. He sent his son to be human and take the human punishment for rejecting the rule and reign of God. And Jesus did that on the cross for every single one of us. He, he was crucified. He, he died. He came back to life. He conquered death. And he is now in heaven. He ascended into heaven. But because of what Jesus did, every single one of us who deserves the punishment of death is set free if we accept that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that he did die for our sins. We're reconciled back into right relationship with God. So we get to walk away from ruling and reigning our own life, which was chaotic and made a mess of things, and step back into the rule and reign of God where there's righteousness and peace. And he came so humbly and he has won us with his love, you know, so he didn't come as this domineering king who mm-hmm. made us follow him, but he came and he poured his lifeblood out to show us how much he loves us so that we willingly bow the knee to him. You mm-hmm. know, one day every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to con- confess under the earth, above the earth, in all creation that Jesus is Lord and it will be a realization whether you've rebelled or accepted that he's the Lord. But now, you know, Jesus wins hearts by showing his great love, how he came and did his mission. He's won my heart with his love. Mm -hmm. If you are just, you know, the story as, as we're talking this morning, it just jumps out to you, man, I definitely do in my life, my own way. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm living under the rule and reign of me instead of the rule of reign, rule and reign of God, and you want to come back into right relationship with God, now would be an amazing time to do that. God loves you and he wants you. Right now, his hands are extended towards you in invitation to come. So just tell him, yeah, I believe you're the Lord. I know I've been doing it my own way, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live under your rule and reign. I want to come under your love this morning. If that's your heart's desire, just tell God. So this is how the Christmas story went down, right? This is probably the idea you have in your mind. We see Joseph and Mary rushing into Bethlehem late at night with Mary ready to give birth, but no one has room for them. Joseph frantically running from door to door with people turning him away, and finally someone relents and lets Mary and Joseph have a stable or a cave behind the house. We get all this from Luke 2, 
Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. They were pushed away, right? There was no room in the inn. This is where we get the frantic Joseph picture. But Kenneth Bailey, he's a master of Middle Eastern culture. In his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, shows convincingly that inn should be translated guest room. In fact, you find the word inn in the New Testament three times, and two of the times it's translated guest room. (laughs) So, with Kenneth Bailey's insight into Middle Eastern culture, here's how the birth of Jesus likely went down. Because he studied, you know, all about the culture and their hospitality and their welcoming. So he can tell us pretty, pretty likely how this went down. When Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem, they would have been welcomed. Joseph, remember, was a descendant of King David. You know, a humble guy, but still a descendant of King David. So nearly all the doors of the village would have been open to him. They would have been taken into a two-room village home. One room would have been the family living room, which included a place for the animals. The space for the animals was a lower level to allow their heat to radiate into the rest of the family room. The higher level, right along the edge, would have had the manger. So the manger was in the family room, but the, the animals could have come up you know, on that lower level and their heads would have probably reached the, the next level okay. and they could eat out of the manger. And so... The other room was the guest room, and this is the word that's translated in, in some translations, but should actually be translated guest room, which is how the NIV translates it. So likely the guest room had been taken by others who had come to take the census, just like Mary and Joseph. And when it was time for Mary to give birth to Jesus, the family room would have been cleared of men. The village midwife and other women would have helped with the birth. So instead of being turned away, you had the family that had taken Mary and Joseph in. You had the midwife, the other women in the village who came to help with the birth. And of course, the whole village, just a tiny village, they all would have known about this birth. You know, birth is an exciting thing. So very different from the story that that we get from one small little thing in Luke's gospel that says no room in the inn. We get this whole big story of, of them, you know, not being welcomed. Right. I mean, it kind of paints a picture of rejection, but when you think about it too, like everybody had to come for the census, anybody who was from there had to, had to return back to Bethlehem. So it just makes sense that everything's full and there's not a lot of space, but it was not because they were being rejected. It was just simply because of everything being full, everybody yep. coming back. And yep. like, so they, they figured out how to make another way for them, not a barn. Cause we kind of picture a barn. Right. We do. Or a cave. The guest room was taken and Mary and Joseph would have been in that in the living, living room, in right, that right. living room space Yeah, where the manger was. And then a little lower level, you've got the animals, you've got the heat coming up off the animals, the animals, you know, eating out of the manger. 
which was on the little higher level. Right, right, Does that right. make sense? Yes. And as you painted the picture for us of the animals being able to reach into the manger, I just, <laughs> I just picture this newborn baby all wrapped up laying in this hay and soft little noses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, gently yeah. kind of <laughs> nibbling at the hay and... <laughs> Right, 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 the little right. baby Jesus. And, yeah, yeah. They would yeah. have, obviously, they would have put fresh hay in there. So all of this is a bit academic, but what does it mean? I think for me, it just, it warms my heart to know that Jesus was welcomed. Mm-hmm. He came very humbly. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But he was welcomed by his hometown. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds me of the time when I first welcomed Jesus into my heart at Eastside Elementary on the playground. And I've got something in common with the people of Bethlehem. Yeah. You know, and their welcome reflects our welcome if we, you know, Jesus. And if you haven't welcomed Jesus into your heart and into your life, it's like the people of Bethlehem are speaking to you down through the years. Mm. Hey, welcome Jesus like we welcomed him because he's the king, I tell you. If you feel unseen, unwelcome, unknown, if you've been shamed, shunned, canceled, if any of this is true of you, the baby of Bethlehem is for you. But first, some background. Kenneth Bailey is an expert on Middle Eastern culture. He shows in his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, that Joseph and Mary would not have been turned away in Bethlehem. They would have been welcomed into any of the homes because Joseph was a descendant of King David. But there was no room for them in the inn. I know. But Bailey shows that no room in the inn actually meant there was no room in the guest room. So they were welcomed into a two-room home with a living room and a guest room. And the guest room was taken, and so Joseph and Mary would have been in the living room and... In the living room, there was a place for the animals as well. It was a lower level, but still a part of the living room. And the heat from the animals, when they would come in at night, would radiate up into the living room to keep everybody warm. So Bailey shows in his book that this family welcomed Mary and Joseph and that the village midwife and women of the village would have helped out with the birth of Jesus and that the whole village would have known about it. Call it a Bethlehem welcome. Then Jesus was welcomed by the lowly shepherds. They were at the bottom of this culture, but they were the first to hear about the Savior's birth from an angel of the Lord, and they saw the heavenly warriors. In Bailey's book again, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, he points out that the shepherds were afraid not only of the angels, but they were probably also afraid because they'd been asked to visit the newborn king. From their point of view, If the child was truly the Messiah, the parents would reject them if they tried to visit because they were so lowly. How could lowly shepherds be convinced to expect a welcome? The angels knew the shepherds' fears, so the angels told them they would find the baby wrapped, which was what shepherds did with their newly born children. Also, they were told that he was lying in a manger and that they would find the Christ in an ordinary peasant home like theirs. He was not in a mansion or a wealthy guest room, but in a simple two-room home like theirs. This was really good news. Maybe they would not be told, unclean shepherds be gone. This was their sign, a sign for lowly shepherds. 
And with this sign of encouragement, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. And when they arrived and told their story, Luke says, everyone was amazed. The family that had taken them in was amazed. The midwife was amazed. The other women who had helped at the birth were amazed. Mary and Joseph (laughs) were amazed. And the shepherds left with the news that a Savior had been born for people just like them, for people just like me and you. And they told that to the people just like them. You know what I mean? They were able to go to their peers and share the story of what had happened and be able to tell them, listen, we know it's for you because it's for us. We didn't get rejected. You're not going to get rejected. This is good news for all of us. Yeah, he sees you. He's come for you. He loves you. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.